Welcome to the uh, latest Care Home Management Magazine uh, podcast, a uh, special roundtable. Uh, this time we're looking again at uh, infection control. Uh, this is our uh, latest podcast on what is a, a, a crucial uh, topic as care homes really need to get on top of uh, infection control uh, during the, the pandemic. I'm Steve Hemsley, uh, publishing editor of Care Home uh, Management Magazine, and this podcast is sponsored by care home marketing experts, Smooth Digital, helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying residents. Uh, delighted to be joined by four experts today to discuss the challenges that care homes face when it comes to uh, infection. Uh, delighted to welcome uh, Nicola Whitaker, who's a national account manager at Miele Professional. Uh, Graham Flynn, director at Anenta. Steve Whittle, who is a group director of operations at AirDry. And Dr. Barend uh, Taha, who is director at BES Healthcare Limited. Thank you to you all. Uh, before we start, it's always lovely to hear a bit about uh, who is on the podcast and the, their companies. So maybe you could give us just a very quick overview of yourselves and uh, your company. Let's start with you, Nicola, at uh, Mila. Hi, Steve. Um, lovely to be back on the podcast again. So, um, yeah, I work for Mila. Um, we've been established for over 120 years. Many people probably recognise us for our domestic range of products, but we also have a full professional range of products which cover washing machines, tumble dryers, finishing products and dishwashers. Thank you, uh, Nicola. And um, Graham at uh, Anenta. Hi, thanks for having me on. Anenta was established in uh, 2013. We provide services to healthcare providers, predominantly the NHS and uh, care homes, dealing with all the waste streams that come out of uh, those entities through their activity. Uh, somewhere in the region of around about 8,000 customers that we deal with. For me, I'm kind of like described as a glorified bin man, so to speak, with a lot of uh, the, the technical knowledge in my brain somewhere. Thank you. And uh, Steve at uh, AirDry. Yeah, my name's Steve Whittle. I'm the Group Operations Director and in charge of research and development for AirDry. Been with the company for um, six years now and the company has been around for 40. And we're now currently uh, entering the market with um, purification and sanitation equipment to supplement our hand dryer range. And uh, Barend from uh, BES uh, Healthcare. Hi there. Um, BES Healthcare has been involved in the infection prevention and decontamination world for probably about best part of 25 years. And we've provided a program of educating and training on best practice in infection prevention. And coming out of that was the, those days, MDAs, now MHRA, community equipment, loan stores, guidance on decontamination. And these days we offer similar kind of services to care homes where we can give a broader education on the principles of infection prevention and also advise managers uh, through audits as to what best practice is. And I, I have been involved over the years with European and international standards in decontamination. Uh, my fingers, I believe, on the pulse of where things are going internationally. Brilliant. Brilliant. We were like people with their fingers on the pulse on the podcast. And yeah, best practice. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about uh, this afternoon. Thank you, uh, uh, Barend. Um, right. I wanted to start uh, with you, Nicola, really looking at laundry, because this is such a crucial area of uh, uh, infection prevention and control for care homes. It's somewhere where infections can be uh, rife. Um, how have sort of care homes sort of tackled 
this area i mean during the pandemic and, and what should they what they should be doing i mean we're talking about best practice what, what's your sort of ad- advice I think on the whole, care homes have, have coped really well. And I think a lot of that comes back to the, the work they did prior to COVID. When I was last on the podcast, we talked about how important it is to have really good processes in the care home from the minute that the linen is collected within a residence room, right through to the storing after it's been cleaned. So I think those things were already in place. But what care homes have really had to do is they've had to look at every part of that process and look for gaps, really. And luckily, there is a lot of information out there and people are really aware now um, of cross-infection and how we can combat that. So the really important things are looking at the correct PPEs being used, making sure that that PPE is changed often between residence rooms, trying to segregate the linen, all of those kind of things. And I just think it's bringing those back to the forefront of people's minds and just really thinking of the process in lots of bite-sized pieces. And... Uh, when it comes to designing your laundry, how can that help to uh, reduce the risk of infection? We've always talked about having the correct laundry flow, so trying to segregate the linen within the room. So having washing machines, a storage area for dirty linen, then moving over to where the dryers are, hopefully in another part of the room. But I think people, again, have started to realise how important it is to have real, true segregation, not just within the same room, but hopefully separate rooms. Um, we've had more inquiries than ever for our barrier washers and a barrier washer is a washing machine that actually has two doors and we build a false wall around the washing machine so you walk into the first room which is the dirty room where you load the washing machine um, you take your PPE off you wash your hands before then moving into the clean room where you open the second door on the washing machine empty the washing machine there with the clean items and then you can process them into the dryer and finish them and store Right. Um, and in terms of um, compliance here, I mean, there are certain regulations, aren't there? And has, has compliance become even more important during the last year? Yeah, but I mean, compliance is there as a guidance, isn't it, to make sure that you protect your residents and your staff. So it's always been important. But I think we realise the importance of it maybe more at the moment, don't we? It's yeah, it's really important. Thank you, Nicola. Um, Barend, I mean, there is there are challenges here, aren't there, when, when you're dealing with uh, somewhere like the laundry room? Yeah, the the challenges are with equipment is that you know that it's working. And uh, certainly with thermal disinfection, you are expected to get your temperatures probably these days at least over 80 degrees centigrade. There's a lot of um, materials these days that get rather soft and break down when you get the temperature too high. So chemical disinfection is important. And when you're coming to chemical disinfectants, there's a whole range of international and European standards that really uh, is a minefield if you don't know what you're doing, because uh, you may find that your chemical comes in with a certificate on it saying that it kills certain bacteria or certain viruses. But often those tests are done under specific conditions. For example, in the washing environment, in a washing machine, your disinfection has been done with liquid, whereas when you get onto a surface, you may be putting a wipe on a surface, and there's different standards for disinfection of a surface, and if it's a hard surface compared with a soft surface that you might have on an armchair or something else, there's a different set of standards that cover disinfection there. Right. Yeah, thank you. We'll cover more about those different services uh, later on, Baron. Thank you. I mean, Graham and and Enter, I mean, with waste management and laundry, as Nicola was talking about compliance and regulations, uh, do you get, I mean, do you cover that sort of area when it comes to the specifics around sort of laundry issues? I mean, how would that fit in with what you offer? Uh, Well, we we 
don't deal with the the laundry side of things. We we'll, we deal with the hazardous um, waste that's generated through clinical care. So the you know the the, the pads, needles, uh, offensive waste, um, or that type of thing. Um, but we also deal with the the general and recycling waste, confidential waste, and so on. So not necessarily anything to do with laundry. But just to reiterate, uh, uh, as was said earlier, that the the regulations really haven't changed, and it's just how we're meeting the obligations that are set out, not just in, in regulation, but the guidance that's issued, the regulatory position statements issued by the Environment Agency, and so on. And um, just because COVID has arrived, unfortunately, it doesn't mean that um, those standards should really be, be dropped. So I, I hope that answered the question in relation to laundry. And uh, Steve at uh, Airdrop, I mean, what Nicola was saying there about laundry rooms and the importance of the uh, infection control there, how, how does your sort of equipment and what you do sort of tie in with what she's saying? Yeah, our, our equipment um, is, is key in these areas because it not only sterilises surfaces, but also uh, sterilises the air. So any area that would have a heavier bacterial or viral load would certainly benefit from this kind of uh, approach um, of air and surface sanitation. Um, and it has the added advantage that it also deodorizes a room by breaking down uh, particles rather than masking the, the smell. So um, you've got sanitation and odor reduction in, in, in one unit. Okay, thank you. And, and quickly back to you, uh, Nicola. I mean, in the laundry room, um, PPE... Uh, hand hygiene you touched on it briefly has how big an issue has that been uh, a getting the the equipment and, and also the importance of hand hygiene for example uh when it comes to sort of best practice and and around infection in in the laundry room oh we know how important it is we hear about it daily don't we on the uh those lovely news bulletins that we get to see at five o'clock most evenings it's the thing they tend to focus on the most we know the importance of hand washing for not just in the laundry but in all environments right now we know that it helps curb the spread of covid so yeah it's really important i think prior to covid it was easy to be a little bit more relaxed about it so i mentioned about wearing aprons you know you might see um care staff or laundry staff wearing an apron but the chances were they've been in that apron for several hours already so it's not really doing its job anymore is it just all about refocusing and really thinking about what we're doing and and breaking the tasks down just changing that PP often, making sure you're washing for the 20 seconds. That's interesting what you say, Nicola, about uniforms. Is that one maybe part of the whole care home operation, which can maybe slip under the radar when it comes to infection? Uh, yeah, the regulations over staff uniform are, it, is quite confusing, depending on which document you're reading. Um, but a lot, a lot of the documents do um, point back to the Department of Health guidelines for uniform within the NHS. And historically, the advice has always been that you would take that home and you would wash it to the highest temperature possible or 60 degrees for 10 minutes. But I think all of us on this call would probably agree that doesn't seem the right thing to be doing nowadays, to be taking uniform out of a care home back to somebody's home to wash. Really, uh, care homes should be providing their staff somewhere to get changed and then be providing a laundry um, service for the uniform so that it can be washed in a machine that can either thermally or chemically disinfect. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Steve, I wanted to come into your, your topic around technology here and um, and how technology can be used to sort of manage infection um, prevention and control. 
and whether we are seeing care homes investing enough in the tech side, really. What's what's happening in, in this area? Uh, yeah, the, the, the key part of the key parts of technology um, in infection control, particularly in care homes, I think is that they need to be unobtrusive um, so uh, they don't disturb, uh, particularly uh, care home residents that have dementia. I know flashing lights, noises uh, can be quite disturbing. Um, they need to be cost effective um, because uh, regardless of what you spend, you can always find a solution that, uh, if you have no um, financial limit. But they need to be cost effective for a, a business to be able to afford this, this solution. And finally, the solution has to be effective. Our, our solution uh, is proven by laboratories, uh, Public Health England, um, SGS, ALS, and many other third-party labs to be 98 to 99 percent of airborne and 99.8 percent of surface microorganisms will be eliminated by this technology. The key to this technology is that it, it's active 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year. It constantly emits a plasma which breaks down viruses and bacteria by disrupting their DNA and pulling apart the outer shell, causing the, um, the, the bacteria to, to be killed and the viruses to be denatured. The, the smell goes, the viruses go, and you've got a completely uh, clear area. With this solution, it constantly provides that hostile environment for bacteria and viruses, so they can't actually survive in that environment. And, key point, very um, human-safe. Uh, we we have them in bedrooms in care homes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, technology. I mean, Graham and Ensa. I mean, technology in the sort of work you do. Have have we seen technic uh, technological solutions? Uh, technology playing a bigger a bigger part, and especially in the last sort of year. Uh, to some degree, yes. I mean, the the, the technology that we've deployed um, is more there to support operational activity, online based uh, systems to make sure that um, everybody is communicating effectively, that there's appropriate tracking um, of requirements and issues that arise. And, and particularly when it comes to things like the control of um, infections, um, we, we have to be in a position to uh, cope and deal with waste contractors that are collecting waste from any healthcare environment and make sure that they are safe. So, for example, if they raise uh, to us an issue uh, with regards to uh, a needle stick injury, um, it's how we react to that and how do we engage with the entity that, that had that problem to make sure that it doesn't happen again, whether it be training, a review of their processes and so on. So we've developed systems that enable us to standardise these processes that don't make them too arduous to complete or to review, but it, it does sort of hone in on the root causes. And then you can put measures in place to prevent that from happening again. In terms of actual, uh, let's say, technology for waste disposal, there's nothing that is, is significant that has come into the market. We're still using incineration, alternative treatment and energy generation to to make sure that the waste is disposed of but again it is a complicated field 
to ensure that the appropriate waste types go to the appropriate waste disposal. You know, one of the things that, that we focus on is making sure that there is effective segregation of waste to ensure that there is the, the savings that could be achieved, the efficiencies, and also then to support infection control measures at every location. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? It's about using technology to you know, tell you what's happening, work sort of smarter. I mean, Barend, you've obviously you know got years of experience in this whole market. Have you seen sort of te- technology and solutions sort of really come into its into their own in recent years when it comes to infection infection prevention? Has it is it helping? I think one of the uh, areas that has made good progress in recent years is that. People who have been living in the hospital environment have seen that there have been sterilization assurance levels that are applied when you're sterilizing. And that kind of thinking has now been moving down into disinfection and even into washing. And there's now a new international standard just being published on washing efficacy when you're washing medical devices. And there are also standards for the equipment that uh, is designed for washing medical devices and any care home that's got a, at least a nursing facility will probably have things inside them that are considered to be medical devices. Uh, for example, specialist beds, uh, riser recliner chairs, uh, even the walking frames and so forth around the building, the wheelchairs, they all consider to be medical devices. And there are specific regulations on how those should be cleaned, disinfected and the overall decontamination area. And this is really where somebody who's running a home is not their everyday kind of knowledge. Yes, I mean, equipment's like uh, uniforms, isn't it? It's one you've got to keep on top of that when it comes to um, decontamination and and infection. Thank you. I mean, Nicola, from your point of view, I mean, Mila Professional, you know, technology is all about what what you do, really, isn't it? And the new products you bring out are always a bit more advanced. How is technology playing a role in helping to fight infection in care homes? I think where we've probably shot ourselves in the foot is that, you know, the regulations that we've worked for um, in this country in the UK have been the same regulations now for almost 20 years. It doesn't leave you much wiggle room, really, but we're always looking for new opportunities to push forward what we do. And back to you then, Steve. Um, getting this right, I mean, it can have quite a positive impact, can't it, on um, absenteeism you know, of the employees not getting in- infected and having to take time off? Yes, absolutely. Absenteeism, and, and, and we can sort of probably even forget coronavirus. Let, let's just talk about the persistent common infections we had before coronavirus, and we will have after coronavirus flus, norovirus, colds. Our, our products here has been shown in the field. Um, to eliminate up to around 45% of um, absenteeism in a call centre. Um, it's a national health call centre, and where they were, the social distancing was less than a metre. They sit very close together. And by implementing our unit in one year, they reduced absenteeism by 45%. So, and, and, and also just for the wellness of, of the staff and the residents, but the staff in this case for absenteeism, were providing safe environment for our staff so they go in they can work in a safe environment go home and go back again and continue that that cycle without having to worry about being exposed constantly to different pathogens because any care home any any place where people are resident is obviously a bit of a breeding ground for lots of pathogens so care home workers are exposed to this quite regularly and uh, Barren to you i mean what impact can um, having a, a very good infection prevention uh, strategy have on absenteeism in a care business. 
the importance of infection prevention processes with any, within any environment is important because this year it's been COVID, but other years uh, norovirus comes up to the top of the column flu, seasonal flu. People are much more aware because of the government pressure every day to wash the hands and keep the distance that bugs, you don't see them, but they're easily transferred. What we've been learning from the last year to try and stop COVID from moving around, we can apply generally into care homes. We will have a much healthier population, both of the people inside and the staff, because the staff catch the flu as well and the norovirus. And then you get out some teaism if you're not following good pro- uh, protocols and best practice. Hi, Richard. Hey, Johnny, how's it going? Uh, Richard, not the best. I'm still struggling to fill the empty beds in the home. Oh, no. Have you given the guys at Smooth Digital a call? No. Could they help? Sure. They help care home owners like you and me fill our beds with private paying residents. They can market you online on Google and Facebook. Oh, yeah? I better give them a call. You'll be crazy not to, Johnny. I've built up a waiting list working with Smooth Digital. Just go on Google and search Smooth Digital. S-M-O-O-T-H. 100% smooth digital. You're a lifesaver. You're listening to the Care Home Management Magazine podcast with Steve Hemsley. Yes, indeed you are. And uh, just quickly, just to say you're listening to um, the Infection uh, Control Prevention uh, podcast. Uh, uh, and my guests today are Nicola Whitaker, who from Mila, Graham Flynn from Anenta, Steve Whittle from AirDry, and Dr. Baren Tahar, who's from BES Healthcare. Graham, onto your, your question about around waste management. Now, best practice, duty of care. I mean, there are regulations, quite tough regulations, aren't there, around clinical clinical waste. Um, are care homes you know, doing enough? And, are, you know, obviously they have to comply, but how easy is it to comply? Are they quite complex? And are the regulations, have they changed at all in the past uh, few months? Uh, well, yeah, you, you're right. Uh, look, complying with, with the regulations can be a, a daunting thing i mean it's they're long documents uh, they're not the easiest thing to read and, and decipher and neither are, are some of the guidance documents covid has highlighted a, a number of issues across the board but the regulations haven't necessarily changed there's been some uh, position statements that give some allowances but still we need to comply with them what we found is that there's there are areas that can be improved we've got segregation issues which leads to higher costs for the for the care homes and potentially infection control issues. We've got poor containment and labelling practices, misclassification of waste, which results in the incorrect disposal method being used. And again, that affects your, the, the costs. But um, complying with the duty of care not only applies to seeking the assurance from your servicing contractors around their operational resilience, conformance to your requirements uh, and their adherence to the permitting obligations, but it applies to how the care homes manage their waste. So it, the compliance means that best practice and the guidance are incorporated in the daily activity of the care home and the staff need to be aware of the requirements and should be these should be set out in the waste management policies. As a result of the pandemic, some of this may have fallen to the bottom of the list. And as a result, we're seeing higher volumes of waste being generated that wouldn't normally be there. So, for example, your orange bag waste that would be going to uh, alternative treatment 
those are typically low volumes and under normal circumstances. But we've seen an increase in that, where we're having PPE being disposed of in that waste stream, when it could actually just be going into the offensive waste stream, which is a, a lower cost. We have a lot of packaging in the orange bag waste stream and offensive waste stream, and the packaging can be going into your recycling and so on. So it's about how you divide all of this up. And, and our research has shown uh, and audits that have been carried out on these locations that up to 70% of the waste generated is incorrectly segregated, segregated. It's put in the wrong waste streams. What we're trying to do through the delivery of our service, the auditing uh, app that we've developed, is to, to try and bring that to the fore, to show uh, care homes that look, this isn't really a daunting thing. We look at it as an efficiency measure. You've got to look at all your data, look at what you're doing, and then we start to make incremental improvements. We're not saying it all happens in one day, but you get a good picture of what is going on. And by starting with the basics, you start to, by default, comply with uh, all the regulations and, and guidance that's set in front of us all. But I think it does take engagement from uh, all the employees to make these changes. And that's not an easy thing to achieve, considering the workloads that they have. So how do you find that time to make sure that you, you get the best out of procedures that you're putting in place as a result of trying to comply with the regulations? Yeah, that's great. I mean, so basically, you would help the care homes create their um, waste strategy, as it were, their waste policy. And is that best for an individual care home or would you do it on a, on a group basis? I would tend to say that we have to standardise it. So if it is a group, then you'd have a waste management policy that covers the group. The activity is more than likely going to be the same across each of the, the premises. You can take into account any uh, site-specific issues. It's uh, taking a look at, at what you're doing through auditing and the individual aspects. And I'm talking about things like, even in an audit, you're saying, do I have a waste management policy? And am I conforming to what I've said in that waste management policy? We've noted that the majority of care homes that we service, they have an environmental statement that forms part of their quality management systems. And that doesn't really give any procedures or how you will conform to regulations. It's a, a broad statement to say you'll do your best to be environmentally aware. The first thing is about your waste management policy. Am I conforming to that do I have training and how regularly am I providing training to the staff? Do I take into account any updates that come out centrally? Am I recording everything that, that should be recorded? Hazardous waste consignment notes, waste transfer notes. Do I even know what those mean? What, what does the information on those documents tell me about the waste that I'm generating? And then looking at internal and external containment and the relevance to the activity on the site. Some waste streams may not be required at all, but still you have it because it's something that's been there historically and you just think, well, I'll keep going with it. Taking that view allows you to then put in place efficiencies. And I always think of the efficiencies as an action plan to not only improve you know, the financial or, or bring cost savings, should I say, but it's to make things easier for employees to understand and therefore, you get the best out of it through through the whole life cycle. And it's a continuous thing. It isn't one shot, I'm going to do everything. It's about 
a, a continuous process. And Nicola, I suppose uh, when we're talking about managing waste, uh, it goes back to what we were talking about at the start, really, about design, isn't it, of the of the laundry room? Actually, talking about laundry flow is becoming more and more important now. Um, we used to talk a lot about kind of cross-contamination, and we always think about cross-contamination as touching surfaces. Actually, I think Dr. Sahas touched on this earlier as well, didn't he? By touching things, we cross-contaminate. But actually, we're so much more aware now about cross-contamination through airborne we're even looking to kind of divide laundry rooms now rather than having one laundry room with all of the equipment in. Really, ideally, you want two laundry rooms, one for the dirty laundry and the washing machine, and then a separate side with the dryers and the processing space so that there is no risk of cross-contamination. Yes, uh, bar end. I mean, that's true, isn't it? When it comes to decontamination, a lot can go wrong in a care home. This is a very important subject because... Uh, if you speak to the average person on the street or in a care home, they probably don't even know the dif- uh, difference between a an infectious uh, disease or a contagious disease. And people are more aware these days that uh, you get infection through air particles with COVID. But we also know that when you touch things, you leave the bugs behind on the surfaces. So what the surfaces are made of, how you deal with the surfaces, what uh, you're dealing with the airflow and so forth, it's all very important. And this was 20 years ago when we were advising loan stores, the idea of having clean sides and dirty sides and uh, moving from dirty to clean and the airflow going the other way was an absolutely new concept. But as Nicholas says, the ideal situation is dirty goes in one side of an area and goes out the clean side and people who've been on the dirty side don't walk through to the clean side with all their contaminated equipment. But the other side of the story, of course, is PPE. Some people think the PPE is there to protect them and others realise that it's also there to protect other people. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Graham, I think you've got a specific uh, question for Barend. It's trying to just understand, because we come across this quite a lot, in, in the difference in the way people are segregating waste and really just ask Dr. Teha, if you've seen any increase in the emotive response to infection control and how individuals are acting within health and social care environments as a result of COVID, is it too overly cautious uh, or, or not enough caution? It's a very good question. Caution can often lead to new practices that are not necessarily better practices. <laughs> and uh, people are frightened stiff for their own protection often and not concerned about what they're doing for other people's protection or the other way around. So it is all part of education, understanding how bugs that you can't see work. And even the basic thing is most people will know if they leave some water in their sink overnight and they feel the bottom of the sink is kind of all slimy. And that is because biofilm grows as a result of bugs who can reproduce. Some bugs reproduce every 15, 20 minutes. If you've got one bug in seven hours time, you can have a million bugs. So the rate at which things grow and the difference between cleaning and disinfecting are very important aspects that anybody who's working in a care home environment, if they've got the basic knowledge there, they will automatically behave differently from if they haven't got the basic knowledge. Does that answer the question? It, it does, yeah. It sort of goes, it, it supports our, our view of, you know, the different volumes of waste that we're seeing generated, you know, in normal circumstances with relation to PPE, which would normally go into offensive waste in care homes. We're seeing a large increase in that same waste going into orange bag 
waste, which is technically hazardous. We sort of see that because individuals are either not aware of the ability to dispose of it effectively through the routes that are given to them, like offensive waste. And it's, it is, I don't like using the word overcautious, but it is, there is that level of uh, concern. And therefore I must always move to the higher level of safety at all times. Yeah, it's about, isn't it, that level of knowledge, I suppose, isn't it, and confidence uh, rather than caution sometimes. Thank you for that question, uh, Graham. Steve at AirDriving, what are your thoughts on what Graham Burrend is saying there about decontamination and different surfaces? Uh, Yeah, that's it. That's a key point because um, decontaminating a carpet um, can be a lot more challenging than possibly decontaminating a smooth surface, um, which you could do with a a simple wipe over with bleach. We, we, We test our technology uh, using various different surfaces. And the reason we do that is because one of our units um, goes into elevators, and that's what started us thinking. There's lots of different surfaces in elevators. They could be glass, stainless steel, padded fabrics, carpets. So we've tested the efficacy of, of these on different surfaces and found it to be as effective on all surfaces. Thank you, Steve. And Graham, just quickly back to you. You touched on, um, you know, if you have this policy right, the strategy right from waste management, you can save money as a care home. I mean, are we talking quite considerable savings if you can really master this this area? I, I would say so. We've identified, we've been working with care homes for quite some time now. And when we first got involved with the care homes, we set out with the strategy of um, let's redefine the waste that you are uh, generating. Let's reclassify it. Let's look at it all holistically. Uh, We sort of generated savings of up to about £8,000 per uh, location um, by making these changes. By looking at things like what bins are placed in which rooms? Do we have all the waste types available at all times in every room, whether those are communal areas or individual rooms uh, for the residents? And by looking at all of that, yeah, you definitely make efficiencies in movements by uh, staff. You make significant improvements in compliance with best practice and all of that stuff. Uh, And then your financial savings. We look at things on a sort of, you know, the savings that are available over a period of time rather than just an instantaneous, you know, do I change this contract type of thing. But you, you do find that there, there are instant savings by looking around uh, and changing your waste contractor. Um, but then you get the longer term savings by putting in place the proper measures, policies and training, training being a big one uh, that, that needs to be focused on. Um, you, you get quite a, a lot of long-term savings out of that thank you graham that's always good to hear um uh quickly uh, now bar into to your topic um now we touched on a lot of what you were going to cover anyway during the, the course of the podcast but i know you also were going to give some advice on what cams should use what they should avoid and when they should use them we touched on um the different surfaces uh, which i think we should go into more detail and these different approaches to air versus hard surfaces i mean there's a lot to think about isn't there i mean what what's your your key advice to, to care homes on and how to really uh, master this uh, as a starting point i would recommend going to the british healthcare trades associations website is bhta.com and there there's you can download a number of useful guidance documents there's one called what lies beneath that describes what really is a good foam mattress, for example. There's one called Protect, Rinse and Dry. uh, And that was developed because the industry discovered that people weren't aware of what is good practice for cleaning a mattress 
after it's been used by one person or after it's been soiled. And the challenges that have come up with the NHS is somewhat rash in some of its advice. And it says, oh, if you're cleaning a mattress, use chlorine, 1,000 parts per million um, to wipe it down. But, oh, you've got a body uh, fluid spill on there, go up to 10,000 parts per million. If you leave any chlorine sitting on the usual uh, water, semi-waterproof materials on the mattress for any length of time, you're going to degrade that material very quickly. And as soon as it degrades, then body fluids can pass through into the foam underneath. So using chlorine, it's all over the place, but it's actually these days there are better chemicals to use. And I think Nicola's uh, alluding to chemicals being used in the washing uh, laundry facilities these days. Another area where the NHS is not giving good advice is they're saying hand sanitizers should have more than 70% alcohol in them. Well, they ask that those alcohol-based sanitizers meet a European standard, which only covers bactericidal activity. So is it killing bacteria? Yes, but it may not be doing anything to the viruses that we're worried about these days. And also alcohol around the place where a lot of homes have got Muslims in there. And there's a big question about the use of alcohol there and dries out the skin. It's the kind of advice that you can get from the NHS that should know better. It's like saying, oh, if you want to heat your house, go and fill your bunker full of coal and put coal in there and don't worry about the carbon emissions. So advice around the place is a bit varied. Some of it's a bit too technical for people to understand. Uh, it's the broader education of understanding what causes the problems. And if people understand that, then they'll take the correct behavior to deal with it. So answering the question that you asked me a moment ago is there are ways of decontaminating airborne particles and you really want to catch those out of the air before they land on the surface and contaminate the surface. When you get to the uh, surface, some people like to be able to wipe those surfaces down. But if you are wiping them to clean them, that's one thing. And it's also a good idea always to clean the surface before you try to disinfect it. Otherwise, the disinfectant can't get through to the bugs that are covered up by the gross soiling, as we call it, large lumps of mess that you want to remove before the disinfectant goes in. Uh, cleaning before disinfecting is a very important process. But how long do you need to leave the disinfectant before it works? Or how quickly do you need to wipe it off? And that's what the protect, rinse and dry documents all about is put on your disinfectant, leave it for its active time and make sure you rinse it off and dry it off afterwards. Uh, otherwise, you start uh, decomposing the material that you're trying to preserve. That's fantastic advice. Uh, thank you very much. I mean, um, Nicola, to uh, Byron sort of pointed out there that, yeah, there is... Uh, chemicals advice and it is finding advice you can trust isn't it and, and that you can understand that isn't too technical does, does Mila sort of provide uh, uh, you know guidance notes or, or help yeah. mm. well it used to be myself in the days of old when we could go out and visit our customers and uh, care homes wasn't that lovely understandably so at the moment they don't want to see us unless they really have to they're trying to keep visitors to the minimum um, but, you know, we're still available on the end of the phone or by email to give them any advice that we can. We also have our Mila Care Hub, uh, which we've set up and it's got lots of guidance information, details about good laundry flow and just all those things about PPE and that that we've discussed today. Um, and they can find that over at www.milacarehome.co.uk. But like I 
think I said 12 months ago, you know, we're here, just give us a bell and we'll do all we can to help you. Uh, and, and Steve, um, in terms of care providers wanting that guidance and needing that sort of advice from suppliers, how do you work with care homes? Uh, we, we produced a couple of white papers on infection control in, in care homes and other areas, schools and such like. And we have our um, sales team, a technical sales team, available uh, to advise um, and go out and, and audit areas and recommend where to start, where to put the units, how effective they are in what areas, or address any particular problems they have. Um, as, as an example, these started out being very um, desirable for sluice rooms because this was before the coronavirus uh, pandemic because it's obviously a centre for odour. Since then, um, we've been recommending, obviously, in group areas and bedrooms. So, yeah, our guys will go out and, and recommend which unit, uh, what area it will cover. Thank you. And, um, and Graham, the same, really, because we talked in your in your slot about how uh, complex it can be. But if you get it right, you know, there's cost savings. I mean, advice from suppliers for care homes in, in this area. I mean, I assume you, you provide quite a lot of guidance, too. Yeah, uh, we, we do. Um, all of our customers um, within their uh, online accounts, this is the, we, we call the system vector, and it, it, it holds everything about the service that is delivered at every single location. But within that, we have a, a documents section, or let's call it a resources section, where we provide um, service guidance, um, guidance in, the, in terms of um, how the NHS is asking you to manage waste, anything that is sector specific, uh, we will put up into that uh, system. And we notify all of the customers as that uh, information becomes available. And then, of course, on on our website, uh, anenta.com, we've got our various articles that sort of um, talk about these uh, types of issues and how best you can overcome the, the difficulties that you may be facing. But every uh, customer has the ability to come and, and, and talk to us because everybody's different. So it, it's best to uh, talk it through and understand what it is that, that you are seeking to achieve. And then uh, you, you put in place the measures to go and, go and get that done. So it could be very bespoke, but also, let's say, guidance, which we'll, we, we comply with and regulations that is there for everybody those uh, are, are all available to uh, all of our customers within the systems all right thank you and just quickly back to you uh, uh bar and um if there was like one thing really that maybe care should do this afternoon have a listen to your excellent advice um to check they are doing this right when it comes to infect- infection prevention what should they be doing what's the first thing to do i would recommend contacting one of the companies that have been on this call bs healthcare in particular we offer a service, a free service of advice to discuss all the practices going on inside the home and give advice as to where to improve the practice if we see that there could be improvements. And we're more than happy to work with uh, other people on this podcast to deal with the specialist areas as they come up. And we have a depth of knowledge that we've developed over the years in infection prevention. And we do use the term infection prevention because by the time it's controlled, it's a bit too late. Yes, very good point. Well, thank you all for your very specialist expert advice. That's been fantastic. Really interesting. Um, uh, That's um, all we've got time for. So thank you to Nicola Whitaker, National Account Manager at Miele Professional, uh, Graham Flynn, Director at Anenta, 
Steve Whittle, Group Director of Operations at AirDry, and Dr. Baren Tahar, Director at BES Healthcare. You've been listening to the Care Home Management Magazine Infection Control Podcast Special with me, Steve Hemsley, and sponsored by Smooth Digital, helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying residents. Uh, we'll be back with more podcasts over the next few weeks. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you.